0: What's up, everybody? This is Tanner from TMNBaseballFan.com. Happy uh, November 8th. It is Sunday, very early Sunday morning. I had to drop off my son at church um, very, very early, earlier than normal. Um, and uh, on my drive back home, here I talk about, guess what? Baseball cards. Um, so, one of the things I was thinking about earlier, um, because somebody actually from another country reached out to me from, uh, from France. Um, you know, they said, "Hey Tanner, I've got this. Uh, uh, I'm possibly going to be uh, purchasing this uh, this card that is uh, has no serial number um, on it. It's, uh, you know, I guess you could say, you know, call it a backdoored card or or something similar. You know, you've probably seen those before. It's a card that's not pack pulled, significantly rarer um, than the pack pulled version. Um, what do you suggest I pay for it?" And so I thought that was a, a good um, topic to talk about because I actually wrote an article for Beckett about this and I called it Not Meant for Public Consumption. I wrote it about a year ago and I might have done a podcast about it. I'm not really sure. Um, but there's more information, I think, to uh, dig in about it. So and I might have like a different perspective on things right now than I did before as well, given uh, what's uh, you know happening in the hobby for me personally. Um, And, of course, obviously the landscape is just wildly different now. So, uh, cards not meant for uh, for, uh, uh, public consumption. So, what are these things? So, number one, uh, you have baseball cards that are typically, you know, they're, they're collected by opening packs. You know, you get some packs of cards, open them, you'll get some base cards, some serial number cards, some refractor cards, game use cards, autograph cards, so on and so forth. So, but there's like this whole slew of other cards that it's especially blaringly apparent now uh, that we have eBay, of course, um, how many there are out there. So, uh, of cards that are not pack pulled. So what are these? There's uh, a number of possibilities of where these cards came from. So number one, they could be, and and this isn't going to be exhaustive. This is just going to be what comes to my brain, by the way. So, so, and keep in mind, it's early now. um, So I might be missing a few things, but uh, number one, it, a card that was not pack pulled uh, could possibly have come from a sheet that was pulled uh, from a an employee of a card company and walked on out the back door with it. So that's why they call call them a lot of times backdoor cards. If they're backdoor, that means what they you know that means that they were probably taken by an employee or somebody, um, perhaps cut up on their own. And sold away as singles that way, and you can tell this a lot of times is because maybe some of the cards might be missing an autograph that they should have, or missing a serial number um, that they should have been stamped with. And so, you know, the the sheets themselves, what were they? Were they either a part of the actual run of the production cards, um, or were they extras? Because that could have you know been the case as well. A lot of cards with uh, numbered out of uh, you know hundred, fifty, even twenty-five, and maybe some cases ten. Sometimes we'll never see every single copy of the card, so we probably won't know. And on top of that, it may be a different case, you know a case-by-case uh, scenario there too. So there might be some that uh, that were cut up from sheets that were pulled from the original production. Uh, run, or they might be sheets that were um, just extras that were uh, printed up, you know, perhaps the uh, sheet was messed up in some sections, or there's some printing flaws, or, you know, maybe the printing company held back some as some extras, or maybe the card companies themselves decided to keep some um, as replacements down the road. So there's a number of ways that, that could happen. So another possibility, is uh, some cards could possibly have been um, used for proofing purposes. Now, when you look on eBay, a lot of times you'll see in the title, uh, proof, not backdoored, (laughs) because uh, proof seems a whole lot more marketable than backdoor, because backdoor has kind of like this negative connotation to it, right? Like, it wasn't supposed to happen you know somebody you know for nefarious reasons took the the sheet and you know ran out the back door with it so for me personally i think it's interesting to to measure the two because you have the same piece um but you might potentially have a different story of how they came out into the public out into the wild and uh so i do have one card that's pretty interesting i've seen another one i used to have two of them actually uh two different types uh but I have this uh, uh, 1995 Stadium Club ringleaders, Jose Canseco, uh, that's got uh, a sticker on the back. It's cut up because the sticker itself was clearly uh, much larger than the card itself, because, and it came from a sheet. So what it looks like happened was a sheet that was used for proofing purposes was taken by somebody, cut up, and sold. Um, so the back of the sticker appears to show, uh, some color approvals and then a sign off by whoever's, you know, supposed to sign off on it. So that could legitimately be seen as, as a proof. Um, it also has like a date early January. I'm sure you could probably, um, figure out that, you know, down the road that, in uh, 1995 stadium club probably wasn't released for months after that or something. So, um, really interesting piece. Um, and it goes to show you that it is very possible that these are proofs. Um, you know, so I know some guys. That uh, uh, one guy in particular, he he seemed he seems to have a lot of uncut material from Tops, especially. I think he, I think a guy used to work for Tops, so he you know teamed up with somebody that cuts up the sheets and everything. Um, yeah, so a lot of people don't like this. Um, there's some people that do. Um, for me personally, as Uh, super collector back in the day of Canseco I loved the stuff I was a very very big fan of the oversized things the uh, missing serial numbers um, all of those cards and so and there's a reason why I loved them so much it's because I knew that they're much 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 rarer than the regular cards that were pack-pulled so as a fan and a collector of basically anything you try to collect things that set your collection apart from other people's collections. Now, you know certainly a lot of these cards are not super duper desirable for everybody. I think it's really on a case by case basis. And interestingly enough, uh, there's a difference between a low numbered card that doesn't have a serial number, uh, serial number, and a high numbered card that doesn't have a serial number. So generally speaking, um, a higher serial number card missing with uh, with a missing serial number is going to command more of a premium over a serial numbered version of it. Uh, whereas a low numbered card missing a serial number that might go for lower than a card that actually has a serial number. That's a low serial number. So it's kind of interesting. I think uh, I think for the I think there's a big reason. Number one for this is because when it comes to the low numbered stuff, people, collectors, they actually kind of want to be part of the club, the exclusive serial number to five club of a certain card, right? Um, They might feel like uh, they're an outcast if they don't have the actual serial numbered card. Um, Now, when it comes to to cards that are like high numbered or um, you know maybe not numbered at all and maybe oversized, those can actually command a premium over the pack bold cards because it people recognize yeah those cards are going to be recognized anywhere you know they're uh you know they're they're going to be found anywhere you can get them at any time you know with the serial number or the or the regular version of them or whatever so uh you know that card might you know let's say a serial number card out of 2,500 might fetch a dollar um if you have one that's missing a serial number um depending on the card of course and the player and that sort of thing you know you might get 10 20 30 dollars for it or something it just really depends so, another thing that's interesting is uh, the executive sample. So, in, uh, in, let's see, the mid-late 90s, the executive sample prototypes were uh, uh, found in, in the market, you know, from, you know, really much later, I think, uh, where, like, Donner's Crusades, um, there were some Leaf Rookies and stars. Uh, there's there are a number of other cards out there that would be stamped on the back xxx X, X of you know 250 or 100 or 25 or whatever it is uh it is uh uh widely regarded as these cards having been uh you know perhaps made five or less a lot of times like the crusades i think i heard that the the reds might you know be one there might be one of them the greens and purples might be uh there might be two of them out there. And so they were apparently created specifically for executives at Donruss. And so uh, the difference was it would say XXX of, you know, that serial number. And they weren't stamped either. They were printed that way. Um, so that's pretty interesting because a lot of times those cards will command a much higher premium because maybe the pedigree that comes with it, perhaps. Um, not pack-pulled, uh, but uh, not serial-numbered but we know kind of the story behind them, uh, which is kind of a fun thing to have. So I've, I've got one of those, I've got a crusade green that way. And I've got a, uh, leaf. Uh, I think it's a a diamond axis, if I remember correctly, beautiful card. And, uh, you know, so those, you know, maybe one others of those might, uh, might exist somewhere else. I don't know. Um, I'm just not sure. Um, so another thing is it's, and one thing that's very interesting when it comes to these cards is really the story makes the card. You know, it's, it's true. I mean, if you if you don't really have a compelling story with a card that's missing a serial number, you think, eh, you know, I might just walked out the back door and just don't really know. You know, who knows? Who knows what's going on? Um, when you have a story like that, like like the uh, where where the card came from, why it was printed, um, there are some prototypes out there, same thing, that were not meant to be released um you know like a uh, here's another example um that's not really you know known too much is the 2010 exquisite uh 2010 exquisite was a uh a beautiful set that was uh, that was released uh 100 card set they were supposed to be serial numbered to 75 they were numbered um upper deck apparently lost its license um i think in 2009 And Upper Deck said, and this is how I recall it happened, so you you might want to fact check me here, guys, you know, Google it, Uh, but basically what happened was uh, Upper Deck uh, Baseball said, no, you can't uh, create cards with uh, Major League Baseball logos anymore, and Upper Deck did it anyway, (laughs) and so Upper Deck uh, said, uh, hey, okay, you're in trouble now, because guess what, we told you not to, and you did anyway. Uh, so Upper Deck 2010 Series 1, what happened was, and first of all, let me tell you about Exquisite. So they had base cards, serial number 75. They had single patch, double patch, triple patch, and quadruple patch cards. And they were all of varying serial numbers. Um, the, the unique thing about Exquisite is that they were supposed to uh, sprinkle these cards out throughout like 12, 10 or 12 different products throughout the year. So the problem was, was the only ones that Upper Deck were able to uh, get out the door was Upper Deck Series 1. So the exquisite base cards numbered to, to 75 um, were case hits. So that what that means is you're able to only land one base card at an entire case of 2010 Upper Deck Hobby Series 1. Uh, and then you know MLB said, okay, that's it. We're going to take you to court, so on and so forth. Those are the only ones that released. So guess what? Uh, the odds are there's probably only about six or seven or less, perhaps, of each base card uh, out there. Who knows if the others were made? Who knows what, uh, what happened to them or if they just you know stopped the presses at that and that was it? You know, I just don't know. Um, but very interesting. And the thing is, it's like you look at them, you, a lot of people won't have any recollection of this because they were never really a big thing. Uh, you know after upper deck uh, uh, you know lost his license so you know obviously for collectors now there it's a huge deal right now because uh, you know they're ten years out it's uh, it's well known that they're uh, that they're super scarce um, and you know very fun cards so thing is is without that backstory you know they might not be too terribly interesting um, you know especially if they were just like you uh, you know, compared to uh, you know, if they were actually uh, uh, you know released like they're supposed to be. So, uh, but anyways, another thing that was kind of interesting is I remember when I sold out. I uh, I remember I was uh, looking to uh, get back some some special cards. A couple of them that come to mind are the 1997 Finest uh, Embossed Refractors without the embossment, 1999 Finest Gold without the. Deck edge and 2,000 clients gold without the deckle edge. And one of the two, either 99 or 2,000, I don't remember which one it was supposed to be serial number 200, 100 wasn't. Um, so I immediately, uh, almost immediately bought those back after I came to my senses, quote unquote, and uh, uh, went back to a, a super collector's, a friend, um, Curtis, who I don't, I think I got him back from Curtis, I don't think he really cares too terribly much about those well guess what I care tremendously about those types of cards um and so uh you know I got those back I don't have very many uh cards that are not meant for public uh, consumption in my collection nowadays but those I do and the funny thing is guys is like uh I was glad to get them back but you know what they meant so much more to me when I got the pack pulled versions to go with them um kind of funny how that works but that's how it goes um I can thank uh, Matt and Andrew for for those because they have the pack pulled versions in their collections, and I was able to pull them from their collections and uh, where I bought them out. And uh, you know, it's fun to be able to to get just like both sides of the story. You know, the pack pulled version and the the card that's not meant for public consumption. Um, so now the question is, you know, as a collector for you, um, do you have any interest in these? You might not, um, and you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be an all or nothing thing. Like you might want to do what I do and be very selective and choosy about certain cards like this. Uh, you know, some of like in the, in my opinion, some of the coolest cards are not meant for public consumption. Um, you know, they're, they're errors they're cards that were not meant to, to go out into the public, uh, because there's like this mystery about them. You know, having something you're not supposed to is kind of intriguing in and of itself. Right. Right. <laughs> Um, You know, the 86 Donner's White Letter, uh, the uh, Highlight White Letter, the 88 tops Cloth, the 89 Leaf Blue Chips, the 90 Donner's Aqueous, the uh, 92 Ace Prototypes, the 91 Upper Deck uh, Silver Slugger Chrome Card, like all of those, like none of those were meant to get out into the public, you know, so, uh, but because they are, they are by far the most, most, most expensive Uh, Cards of that time period, like we're talking hundreds of dollars, and in some cases, you know, some of those can reach a thousand dollars. Like it's a, they're big deal cards, and so um, you know, it's really kind of neat to have them, especially the story behind them, because each one of them has a very compelling story. Um, Sometimes uh, the story on cards that are not meant for public consumption uh, are not very compelling at all. They might have. story of, oh, yeah, Tops did these as blank backs accidentally, so this is about to be thrown out, but some employee took it from the trash and kept it and, you know, cut it up years later and sold them as blank backs. Well, you know, neat, yes, absolutely, absolutely, or blank fronts, um, or wrong backs or wrong fronts. Yeah, definitely neat, um, but uh, there might be several of them out there, um, or you know and really even when i say several of them out there like let's say let's say there's an 89 tops blank back inseko uh, yeah guys like i would much rather have that than the regular one because guess what there's about 3 million of the regular one there might only be who knows how many of the of the blank back version uh, is there 5 10 let's say there's even 100 or even just a even a thousand that's way 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 less than the regular pack pulled version, which, you know, is kind of neat. So, uh, now will that go for, you know, a thousand dollars or whatever? No, it won't go for a thousand dollars. Uh, you have to have some sort of notoriety. It's why the T206 Wagner is probably, uh, you know, the, the most, the face of the hobby, right? It's, uh, because it's got a fabulous story uh, behind it. It's got, um, it's, you know, probably the, the most, uh, popular set ever made. Um, and it's obviously of a player that was considered at one time to be the best player in all of baseball. Um, you know, all of that just kind of uh, brings in, it brings it home to being like, you know, the most the greatest card ever, you know. Um, probably can't say that for the 89 Tops uh Kinsake or any 89 Tops card <laughs> for for that matter. But um, you know it's it's really interesting um, you know to really kind of look into the backstories of each one of these cards and see what our thoughts are and see what we feel about them. So for me personally, the 99-2000 uh, finest golds uh, missing the deck ledge and the 97 uh, finest refractors that are missing the uh, the embossment, um, those are compelling for me just because they're beautiful cards to begin with um, and they're wildly different. I've never seen... Uh, you know, more than one copy extra of each one of those. Um, as a matter of fact, I've never seen any others of the finest golds. I've only seen one other of uh, one of the finest embossed missing the embossment, and I have that one also. <laughs> and uh, there's actually a uh, uh, flaw on it or something. So, um, you know, so those are those are fun cards. They're, they're fun cards. They're beautiful cards, and they make you do a double take when you're looking at and go, wait, something's off about this. Something's different. What is it? Um, so, you know, that's, that's what makes those cards fun for me. I don't really typically go for the oversized things anymore in a collection that I just uh, traded away. There are a number of oversized cards and blank backs and that sort of thing, um, which, you know, look, if I were, you know, if this were two, three years ago, I would have, there's no way I would have gotten rid of those. And, you know, those are. Those are still special. They're still like really special cards, but just not something that I'm really into right now. Um, now you talk to me about half a year from now, I might be reeling over having uh, uh, gotten rid of those. So we'll see. Time will tell. That's how I roll. A lot of times, I, uh, I, uh, you know, do a lot of things, you know, just for the sake of movement. It seems like sometimes, and then, uh, you know, sometimes I'll regret it. Sometimes I won't. But in the end, it's all super fun to be able to collect and you know, keep, uh, keep hunting things. So, uh, so those are my thoughts on cards not meant for public consumption. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I told you also a few of my favorites, um, the crusade executive sample, uh, prototypes, uh, I've got 97 tops, uh, 97, uh, pickle totally certified platinum gold. That's missing a serial number, which I just love to death. Um, and love that even more so than, the serial numbered cards, which by the way, that's one other thing against those cards is, uh, is the value of those. A lot of times can be lower. Um, maybe not necessarily the totally certified, but, um, but for many of these other lower numbered cards can be, uh, lower it, because you'll, uh, run it. You run across people where half the market is going to be, uh, set collectors, set builders. So a lot of times they'll want, all of their cards in their sets to be uniform. There's no way they'd be able to uh, do a uh, missing serial number uh, set unless they come into like a a horde of them in one shot because it's just gonna be way, way, way too rare. So, uh, you know, when it comes to a pack-pulled version versus a card that's not meant for public consumption, a lot of times the set collectors are going to go for the pack-pulled version because they want everything the same in their set. Um, so what that means is half of the market's gone, you know, for that type of card. Now, that said, the actual player or team collectors might make up for it because they realize that those cards that are not meant for public consumption, um, you know, are much rarer. So they could they could make up for uh, for the actual loss in value with half the market gone on those from the, from the set builders. Um, but that's one thing to keep in mind also. Um, anyways, so that's all I have to say for, uh, you know, for today on, on the subject and I'll probably think of a lot of other things down the road. So who knows, maybe we will, uh, we will talk about this, uh, later in, uh, this uh, podcast's, uh story you know months from now who knows maybe even maybe i'll even forget that i even talked about that at that point so anyways hope you all have a great day thank you for listening